It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Mr. Tate is here. I'm with you. We're here until 11 o'clock, the start of our uh, network coverage on Illinois basketball today. So we've got Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk and Alani Game Day for you right up until 11, Illinois and Missouri. Tip it off shortly afternoon in St. Louis. Mr. Tate, how you doing? You got doing your game good. face on? All kinds of stuff. Yeah, I got all kinds of stuff here. Illinois about a three-point favorite over the uh, Missouri Tigers in the uh, Bragging Rights battle down in St. Louis. We'll talk plenty about that today. Our guest lineup includes Brad Sturdy from Rivals.com at uh, 9.15. Mike Kelly, the voice of the uh, Missouri Tigers, will join us at 9.30. We'll hear some comments from Brad Underwood about the Bragging Rights game and about uh, the Illini team uh, thus far. That'll be coming up in the first hour. Second hour, we'll have uh, Scott Doctorman from The Athletic out in Iowa City. Talk to him about several topics, including this week's passing of Hayden Fry, one of the legendary coaches in the Big Ten and nationally. We'll hear some uh, comments from Lovey Smith on his recruiting class. And between all of that and during all of that, the phone lines are open, 356-9397, if you'd like to join us. And then Illini game day at 1030 until 11. We've got all our pregame coverage for you on that as well before we send it to St. Louis for Brian Barnhart and uh, Deion Thomas to call the ball game Illinois and Missouri. There was one Big Ten game last night or a, a game involving a Big Ten team. Penn State, by the way, did you notice that Penn State snuck into the top 25? On one of the polls at least, they're 23rd. Yeah, well, I tell you what, I don't know if there is a top 25, Steve. <laughs> I mean, it's just too... Uh, unsettled. It'll change after today. There are a lot of games today, and and uh, it'll change again. And there, my my feeling is that there's just no such thing as rankings. I mean, it's every game almost. Is, not every game is a toss up, but games that played between major teams can go either way. We've seen that already, and it, this is one year where I don't think you can you can pick a top ten or a top twenty five, even a top one. There are 11 games today involving Big Ten teams. We'll run down that schedule for you and talk about some of those games. Penn State beat uh, Central Connecticut 87-58 last night. Earlier yesterday down in Columbia, nice win for the Illinois women's basketball team, a kind of a bragging rights win over Missouri on their home court, 58-51. So uh, the Illini women under Nancy Fay in her third year finished their non-conference schedule at 9-3, and three, they open up against Northwestern and Iowa in Big Ten play coming up soon. So that was a good win for them, uh, Lauren, on the road. Yeah, they seem to be uh, settling in in a pretty good clip. I know they're going to get a lot better competition as they go along. I don't know how good Missouri is, but uh, it's a good win. And uh, the Illini have beaten them several times down there, the women. And hopefully the men can follow suit because the men – Lost last year in a game that just got away from them at the end. I think there was a 17-2 to run by Missouri late, and the Illini just kind of folded in it late in that ball game. But they had a five-game winning streak going in, so Illinois has dominated the series. What is it, 25-13, to I think, over 38 years. Yeah, and Illinois won 
14. That's in St. Louis, but yeah, 14 of the last 19, I think it is. But uh, they have dominated. But this that series has been a series of streaks. You know, Illinois has had a couple of long winning streaks yep. in it, including that five game winner. <laughs> but between those two Illinois streaks was a four or five game Missouri winning streak. So uh, hopefully Missouri's not going to make it two in a row today. Well, it's an interesting game because you got Tillman Pickett and Mark Smith, who all have committed, who who signed, all signed with Illinois. Mark Smith played a year for Illinois, and so it's it's a unique situation when you have when you have that. And I think everybody's going to be watching Tillman and uh, uh, Kofi go at it because last year Tillman had 16 points and 13 rebounds, and basically during the course of that game was dominant. Because Illinois had no center, uh, you know, I mean, Georgie uh, couldn't handle him. I, he's just a bigger, stronger jumper and than, than Georgie is. But now the Illinois has got a kind of a one-two punch inside with Georgie and Kofi, and we'll see how that works out. The, the, the player that gets in foul trouble, the team, that team's going to be in trouble. And Tillman has a history of getting in foul trouble. Interestingly, Kofi doesn't, but this is just one game. Who knows? We'll talk to Brad Sturdy about this and Mike Kelly, too, as we uh – bring them on to uh, the program a little bit later on here this hour. Missouri is not a good shooting team. They're not bad defensively. They've held most of their opponents to 60 or under. They're overall not a good shooting team, although Mark Smith is coming off a good shooting game in which he uh, hit seven threes. Yeah, he's he's a good three-point shooter, shooting 40% for the season, Steve. So he's the only, up to this point, <laughs> Really strong three-point shooter that they have, and and you know that this is going to be the job of Trent Frazier to get out and get on him. Last year, by the way, Trent Frazier had 28 points in the mm-hmm. ball game, so he was the offensive star for Illinois in the loss last year. This year, they're going to be counting on him a little differently to play a really strong defense, and, and he cannot leave Mark Smith alone under any circumstances out front, regardless of what the hap- what's happening behind him. He's got to stay with Mark Smith. Yeah, no matter where he is. That's right, no matter. He just puts him up from everywhere. And if you, you contain him, I think you got a pretty good chance. He's not great at putting the ball on no. the court and, and, and penetrating. So uh, I, you got to overguard him a little bit and try to keep him getting the ball. And, and he's, he can shoot from way out. You mentioned uh, Frazier's 28 points in the game last year. He hit a jumper just under the uh, eight-minute mark to give Illinois a one-point lead in that game last year. Then it was a 24-7 to a run to close the game, including the 17-2 run that you mentioned, and uh, Missouri ended up winning by 16. So that, uh, as you know, you and I have covered many of these, dozens, all of them, actually. It puts a bad taste in uh, the mouth of whatever team loses and their fan base right before Christmas. That's right, and this would throw Illinois clearly underwater as yeah. far as the NCAA tournament's concerned. If you lose to Miami, which they did, and Missouri, those are, those are not good losses. Uh, my, Missouri's not considered high in the SEC. And by the way, the SEC is in bad shape. Tennessee just lost. So they, I, I don't know, Auburn is, is, is red hot and they're near the top, but is there another, is it, who's the number two team in the SEC? They, they fall off pretty sharply. Florida's having a bad start. I mean, for them, they, they figure to be a top 10 team and they've fallen. Well, I guess if you, are you asking who's the number two team in the SEC today or well, later, later on, on, Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> Kentucky plays Ohio State today. Yeah, that's that's a big game. That's the biggest game today, isn't it? And Ohio State is actually favored in that ball game by a couple of points. Yeah, they're both uh, in the uh, top six. Ohio State is number five. Kentucky number six. Buckeyes are ten and one. Kentucky is eight and two. We'll talk about some of those games. Do you ever think you'd see a season where uh, North Carolina is out of the top twenty-five for the first time in a hundred and some and Kentucky's having all kinds of difficulty, and Duke lost a game to 
you know, Stephen F. Austin. Then you look up and you see Butler and you see Duquesne and you see uh, Dayton and, and what's going on? By the way, a couple of nights ago, this is kind of off topic, but it's basketball. A couple of nights ago, St. Mary's beat Arizona State mm-hmm. by 40. Ridiculous. Did you see what Alonzo Verge did? Remember him? 46, I think. 40. Off the bench, 43. 43, yeah. 43 okay. of 56 that his team had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it didn't make any sense. 96, get beat, 90, what was it, 96 to 56? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that, and I know St. Mary's is good, but I, Verge, boy, oh boy. Tell me, about, uh, bring my uh, bring me up on, I remember the name, and what happened? Well, he had ties to Chicago, and yeah. and he's bounced around and been, I don't know how many places he's been now, kind of yeah. like uh, Charlie Moore that yeah. kind of hopped all over the place. Yeah, he's been three places, hasn't he? Yeah, but he, he did not, because I looked up the box score when I heard this, and I looked it up, and he did not start the game. He came off, the, and he didn't go crazy for three-point range either. I think he had three or four, but it wasn't like he had ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. I didn't know what to think. I mean, I don't know what to think about any part of basketball this year. Doesn't, none of it makes any sense to me. Ten uh, games, as I mentioned today, involving Big Ten teams. Some bowl games are underway now. Buffalo beat Charlotte 31-9 to last night. That was in the Bahamas Bowl. You knew that, didn't you? Bahamas Bowl. <laughs> And Kent State pulled a little bit of an upset, beating Utah State 51-41 to in the Frisco Bowl. That was a wild-scoring game, boy. Yeah, well, Two wins for the MAC. And congratulations, a little closer to home, to North Central College. Division Three National Championship team. Their linebackers coach is our friend Matt Sinclair. There's some local guys on the, on the team as well for the uh, Cardinals. North Central over Wisconsin Whitewater 41-14. to That was in the... Amos Alonzo Stag Bowl last night. Volleyball NCAA championship is tonight. Wisconsin out of the Big Ten against Stanford. Who you got? Well. You're going to root for the Big Ten, but it's yeah. probably going to be Stanford. And, and you're okay with that because of Kevin Hambly, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I pull for Hambly all the time. And, and I, you know, I guess uh, I, I'm, I'm 50-50 on it. I I pull for Hamley. I like to see the Big Ten win, and Wisconsin's done a tremendous job. The last, you know, if you look back about five years, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Wisconsin wasn't up there with Nebraska and Penn State, even Illinois. I mean, they weren't up there, and all of a sudden, about three years ago, they made a sudden move, and it just they've been really good ever since. Yep, Wisconsin has never won a volleyball national championship, so they'll be going for their first. Stanford has won eight, <laughs> yeah. including last yeah, year. Last year, yeah. So that uh, comes up tonight in the uh, NCAA volleyball championships. I want to bring one up before we uh, okay. before we get off you. Urbana beat Peoria Notre Dame last night in basketball, seventy four seventy. So I ask our uh, expert uh, Urbana guy, whose uh, message I just lost here, <laughs> <laughs> but Joe Thompson said that might be the biggest win since. Uh, since uh, Willie Southall hit a basket to beat Clyde Turner <laughs> in the regional a million years ago. I mean, Urbana hasn't had a lot of great basketball, but this is a really good win for them. Uh, Peoria and Notre Dame's pretty good. They were ranked high. They had not lost prior to yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, this is a really good win for Urbana, and we need to bring it up because we've seen, we're seeing right now in football and basketball in the Twin Cities not very much success. Is that fair? And... Uh, so that was a 68. I get get the message right now. It's a 68 regional, uh, Southall. You know that's going back awfully. I'm sure they've had wins across uh, uh, since then, but 
Uh, th- this is a big one last night. That's all I'm trying to say. In 68, Joe was just a little guy. He was, yeah. He, we could go back to Fred Green. Yeah. When they, in 19, you was could. it 1939? <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> when, could. When uh, Urbana was, uh, you know, what did they do? Win the state after losing the regional? They lost a game and then kept on winning, didn't they? Did they lose the final game? I can't remember now. I've lost track. I think Fred fouled out or something well, at, at the end of the game. You, I, couldn't, I, you couldn't prove it by me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but good stuff. By the way, a lot of high school action last night, if you want to read about it. Uh, News Gazette has uh, its typical uh, coverage on Saturday morning, so check all the scores out and all the action as well. Phone lines are open. 9-13 is the time. They lost by one to Morton. Did they? Yeah. One point. I, I think Fred fouled out and the team couldn't hold up without him, and he was a one-man team at that time a long time ago. Good what stuff. was that, 80 years ago? <laughs> a close. Well, you were just a little About guy. eight decades ago. <laughs> you were there, but maybe, I guess you must In remember. Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> it is 9-13. We'll take our first time out. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Moving right into Illini Game Day, and then our game coverage of Illinois and Missouri in the Bragging Rides game. We've got more for you after this. Stay with us. Welcome back to Sports Talk, everybody. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, our pre-Christmas show. Phone line is open, 356-9397 if you'd like to join us. Going to talk some bragging rights now. Let's bring in our friend Brad Sturdy from Orange and Blue News, Rivals.com, with us here on the phone. Good morning, Bradley. How are you? Are you with me, Brad? We're going to get Brad here on the phone in uh, just a moment. Had him and he got away, huh? Now we've got him. Okay. Hello? Hey, Brad. Can you hear me now? I got you, babe. How are you? <laughs> good, good. How are you? Good. All set for the big game today, the uh, <coughs> bragging rights battle. A lot uh, has been uh, spoken and written about, and uh, time to tee it up. Let's play, huh? Yeah, it's exciting. I think it's exciting for the kids, especially, you know, I mean, probably more so for the – I think one thing that happened last year may have been a little more exciting for the Missouri kids. Um, they had a little bit more to prove. I think um, Illinois – the Illinois players – kind of have a better understanding now um, for what the game means uh, um, than, than they did a year ago. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, how they react. They think they're playing they, – you know, they feel pretty good about themselves after the Maryland and Michigan games and, you know, taking care of business even uh, in against Old Dominion. So now we'll see um, if they're ready to go against Missouri. And I think it's a, it's a really important game for Illinois. It's their last non-conference game against the high major opponent. And um, – you know, it's a, despite the fact, you know, Missouri hasn't maybe got off to the start they expected that, you know, Illinois just really needs needs this win heading into uh, heading into the conference season. Illinois played at Arizona, played at Maryland, lost both those games, but uh, certainly pretty good uh, environments there. That can't hurt in a game like this to uh, get them ready to play. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I think that they've seen some hostile environments and they've seen some things and and this game isn't – I don't expect this to be really a hostile environment. I, I think it's going to be – I expect there will be more orange than there mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, orange and blue than Missouri. But at the same time, it's going to be – it's an electric atmosphere, as we all know. Um, you know, we've all been there and we've seen it. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty uh, – it's pretty crazy. I mean, you know, with every – especially early in the game, every basket, you know, you know every, one side's cheering and, and uh, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I think it's one of the – 
at its height, you know, you know, a few years ago, it was uh, it was pretty epic to to be at these games. Well, Brad, um, you talk about the good, bad, and ugly of the Illinois basketball team. Run run down what your thoughts are and those and what they've accomplished so far, where they've been, and, and where they're going. Well, I mean, I think there's some things. I, I kind of did a look uh, on their, um, you know, the the stat stat wise. What are they good at? What have they struggled with? And you can kind of see some things that. You know, it, it, as they head into these games, I, I think the good thing is Illinois has been, you know, they're a very good transition team. Um, they're one of the best post-up teams in the country, which isn't surprising when you've got Kofi and Georgie. Um, and, and then um, defensively, they've actually defended the post well. That was a big concern, and one reason why they played the style they did last year is they really struggled to defend in the post. This year, obviously, they've been a lot better. And much of that is is because of, you know, Kofi Coburn. So, um, the one thing, um, you know, they've obviously been a great rebounding team too. Now, the one thing that they've struggled with is really just guarding the ball. Um, that's kind of been a, an issue with them. In isolation system, situations, they've struggled to guard people. Um, they have, um, and, and, you know, they, they don't move as well without the ball as they probably need to. Um, that's one thing that, you know, you can see sometimes they get stagnant on offense um, without their cuts, and so that's something that they, you know, have to get better. Um but, you know, and they don't shoot the ball very well outside of really Trent and Alan Griffin. The rest of them have, have struggled shooting, and, um, and, uh, and that's something that they're going to have to, uh, they're gonna have to get better at. I, I think, um, you know, when, they, when you can spread the floor around Kofi, you're, you're real, he's really tough to defend inside. And so, but when, you know, they can bring that extra person down, it makes it tough. And so they've got to have guys like Io knocking down shots, um, or whether it's if it's Andre, Andres Feliz or – Demonte Williams or out, you know, playing Allen Griffin a few more minutes. They got to get guys out there who can knock down those former shots, and maybe Kipper Nichols, who I don't think's made a three this year, would be a nice game for him to maybe knock down one of those. So, so yeah, those are some of the things. You know, when you look at their stats where they've struggled, you know, and now Missouri also has probably they outside of Mark Smith, they're probably the worst jump shooting in the country. I think the latest stats where they were. On unguarded jumpers, they are 23 out of 89. Um, they're shooting, um, you know, so so in, and their spot-up shooting is really bad. Um, they've got some guys, you know, Kobe Brown's 3 out of 25 on spot-ups this year, just to give you an example. So they've really struggled to, to knock down shots outside of Mark Smith. So Illinois has got to run Smith off the line and, and, you know, hope nobody else has a career day. Is this Trent's job, or do you move Williams over on him with those long arms? I mean, uh, Trent can get up and his, you know, get up tight on him, but is is he the right guy to guard Mark Smith? I think Demonte's a Demonte will start out on him. Do you? I, I think he's a good. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's a good fit for him. I think also allows Trent to you know guard uh, point guard, um, and he's done a good job there. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see them. They'll move guys around on Mark Smith. I. You know, and and I don't know that they're really concerned about him putting the ball on the floor much. Mm-hmm. I think it's all about him, you know, being a spot up shooter, and you won't see them help as hard off of him. So, um, you know, so that's something they're going to have to, you know, obviously that's part of the game plan is not to give him those open looks um, from three, and you know, and then otherwise, you know, the other guys are more uh, slashers, and you know, a little bit like Illinois, you know, Io and Belize, and they're guys who want to get to the rim and get to the basket, get to that you know, the floaters, the, the pull-ups and those kind of things. And those are things that Illinois, um, you know, going to have to stay in front of them. And so I think Illinois will be fine defensively um, if they can score 
Um, I think they they're they're going to win this game. And Missouri is good defensively. They have a they do a real good job, even though they they play a lot of undersized. You know, there's gonna be a lot of times when uh, they're going to play uh, four guys six five or smaller um, on the floor with Tillman or with whoever. So so they're going to play a little small. So Illinois is going to have some advantages there. So it'll be interesting to see how Missouri matches up with Illinois as well. So Illinois has to take advantage of those, and hopefully they can. Who gets in foul trouble first, Kofi or Tillman? Yeah, I, that's a, that's interesting because both guys are very good at you know drawing fouls. Kofi's you know out you know off the charts. You know he's drawn like seven some over seven fouls a game. Um, so you know Tillman is good at it, but Tillman's also been tr- had trouble with fouls. He fouls over five times every forty minutes. So so I think Tillman's probably more likely to get in foul trouble. Um, Kofi's done a really good job of staying out of foul trouble actually this year. I mean that's something he's done well. So um, especially in the post, he's done a really good job defending there. Most of his fouls have come when he's had to maybe get out on the perimeter and had to do something there. So, but yeah, I think um, I think it, that that's a key spot though because when without Kofi, Illinois is more or less the you know similar team they were last year with a little bit more experience. With him, he really changes the dynamic. So they need to keep him on the floor. Talking to Brad Sturdy for another couple of minutes uh, beyond the foul situation in that battle in the middle. How do you size that up? Who do you think has an advantage there? Kofi's a young guy. Tillman's been around a little bit longer. He's played in this game uh, one time, but uh, your thoughts on where the advantage might lie if they both stay out of foul trouble? Yeah, I mean, my I, I think um, Kofi is – they're a little bit different. I think Kofi's probably uh, – he's just – despite the fact Tillman's a big, strong kid, he's, he's not comparable to Kofi. So I, I don't think he's seen a guy like him. I think Kofi has that advantage. Tillman's probably got, you know, he's probably maybe a little more polished at times when he catches. But what you've seen from Kofi, his development this year, his ability to show patience in the post, which is something he's kind of rushing early in the year. Now he's showing patience, been able to kick out. He's gotten so much better at finding open guys, waiting until he's got the, the move and uh, the opening and then going. Um, so, I mean, I like Kofi in this matchup. I really do. I think he's uh, – I think he's a more talented player. I think he's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, despite the lack of experience, I think he's just got, he's got more to his game. Um, he's also got that, you know, he can shoot the ball to 15 feet. He's a, makes free throws. I mean, he's a, he's a special guy. I think he's very good at, you know, getting position. And then the other thing is, Illinois got to find him. Um, whether it's on ball screen situations, he's rolling. They got to get the ball to him in those situations, and, and that's that's going to be important if they want to, uh, you know, if they want to you know, win this game. And I, I think that's something they got to make a priority to find a way to get him the ball. Brad, we got about one minute. I want you to give me one solid minute on your daughter. What's she doing? How's she doing? Tell us all the sports she's playing and where she's going to go and everything. Just one minute. One minute. Oh, okay. Well, she, <laughs> we have a, she has a game today, actually, this, this afternoon later. Um, she's, uh, I, I don't know where she's going to school yet. She's still kind of up in the air. She's, She's having a good year, um, you know, scoring about 20 points a game. I think somewhere around seven assists and, uh, you know, um, seven rebounds, five or six steals. I don't know exactly what her numbers are. But, um, yeah, she's having a good year. She's what, doing well. Um, Where's she playing? She plays uh, at Tri-City Sangamon Valley um, High School. So, okay. so uh, she's, uh, she's, uh, she's doing well. Um, she's, uh, you know, her thing is she's probably um, – she loves basketball, but she's you know she's gonna she's number one in her class, and so she's uh, wants to wants to be a doctor. So that's gonna be uh, so she's got to find the right school for that fit more than uh, more maybe more than basketball. But what about softball? She's probably gonna wait till 
Right she, she's given up softball now. So, oh, really? So she's my she, yeah, she's my one that gave up softball, even though I coach it. So, you know, so that's okay. <laughs> what, what does that tell you? I, 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 I still like her. I still like her. So. <laughs> All right, Brad, back to this, this game today. Give me a, a prediction. What did you and your pregame coverage of this, how do you think it's going to come out? Well, I think it's going to be a, probably a lower-scoring game. Both teams are pretty good defensively. I think it's going to end up, you know, Missouri likes to play slow. Um, they don't like to get up and run much. Um, I think it's going to end up, uh, if Illinois gets to 70, um, in fact, I, Missouri's undefeated if they hold you in the 50s, but when you get in the 60s, they, they struggle. So I think if Illinois can get in the, I think it's going to be like 68. I'm thinking like 68, 60, something like that. Um, Illinois is going to get in the upper 60s, and I don't think Missouri can catch them. So that's my that's my prediction. We'll see. All right, Bradley. Good to talk to you. Merry Christmas. Thanks, okay, Brad. Okay, Merry Christmas. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. Yep, that's Brad Sturdy, Illinois.rivals.com. Check him out, Orange and Blue News. We'll take a time out here as we approach the bottom of the hour. We'll talk more about this ball game. We'll get Mike Kelly joining us. Mike is the uh, longtime play-by-play voice of the uh, Missouri Tigers, former colleague of ours here at WDWS and WHMS. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Join us for Fighting Illini Football in a bowl game, the Red Box Bowl. Illinois against Cal, Monday, December 30th. Kickoff at 3. Illini game day from Santa Clara at 1.30 on December 30th. It is 9.32. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you. Phone line is open, 356-9397, if you'd like to join us. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you until 11 o'clock. That's where our network coverage begins. We'll have a line night game day pregame show for you as well. Ahead of the game today against uh, the Missouri Tigers down at the Enterprise Center in St. Louis. You and I have been going to these since they played it on ice. Remember that back then? <laughs> That's exactly right. I can remember wearing two uh, pairs of socks just to try to keep my feet warm. And grabbing a stack of newspapers to put your yeah, feet on. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, the old uh, barn, the old field house, the uh, St. Louis Arena used to really get uh, loud and noisy and uh, that was a fun atmosphere. Then it moved downtown and kept a lot of the uh, the luster and it's lost a little bit of it lately only because both programs have kind of been not back in the top 25, right? Yeah, well, you have to have winning teams yeah. in order to, and NCAA level teams to draw the crowds, there's no doubt. And the crowds have really fallen off. Uh, and I think uh, I, I just, I'm looking forward to seeing what Missouri brings today because their crowds have really been bad at uh, at home. I will ask uh, Mike Kelly about that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm only uh, I'm I'm not sure of all the games. Maybe they've drawn better earlier, but I, that, that that last game was unbelievable. Help. Let's, let's talk to Mike Kelly right now. Good morning, Michael. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to you. Sorry about uh, the little snafu. I actually left my phone in my car when I was dropped off by my wife. <laughs> she has keys. She has car, and so fortunately, <laughs> our buddy Ed Bond bailed me out. Well, he can do that from time to time. I thought I was the only one that did that. <laughs> oh, no, no. I got out of the car too quickly. She, I don't know where she was going. She's somebody more important than I. So, anyway. Well, you got bigger things to worry about than where your phone is these days, but at least uh, at least you know where it is, so you'll be fine after the ball game. But tell us about this Missouri team. We were talking right off, off the gate there. You may have heard about uh, the Missouri crowd. We both watched uh, some of that SIU game, and I know there were some – extenuating circumstances with the weather and such on a Saturday afternoon, but uh, not many people there. How have the crowds been? 
Well, you know, it was a Sunday afternoon, and it's when a snowstorm uh, came in, and I think we had uh, four inches of snow on Sunday that continued into Monday and delivered a total of about six, but it was a 3 o'clock start. And, you know, honestly, the crowds have, I mean, I mean I, this is my 30th season, right, involved in the broadcast. So looking down to, you know, kind of like the evolution of this lack of crowd or lack of attendance in Missouri, I mean, it really started after Quinn Snyder was 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 let go, and and Mike Anderson had moments where, depending on the opponent, uh, Missouri would be close to a sellout at uh, at Missoula Arena. But then, you know, the Frank Hayes era took over, and even though he had a good good team um, that won a won a Big Twelve championship in Missouri's final season in the Big Twelve, uh, the average attendance fell off. And so, where we are right now, from an attendance standpoint, is I think really at, at, at numbers that we haven't seen a couple of years ago when Conzo Martin was hired and when, uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr. and John T. Porter both committed, Missouri did something it had never done in the history of Missouri arena. And that is to sell out the building for the season. I'm not saying every game was full, but at least tickets available were sold. And, you know, the SAU game, I think there was maybe 1500 in the house. Maybe uh, they called 8,200, but as, as I'm told, that's tickets distributed and it's a concern. I mean, it's a, it's a concern for Coach Martin. It's a concern, I know, for the administration, is particularly the students. I mean, there are times Missouri will play a conference game, we'll have maybe two to 300 students in the building. So how do you get them back? Um, and that's, that's the $10,000 or, or million-dollar question. What do you expect today in terms of turnout for, on, for, for the Missouri side? Yeah, you know, I don't know. Here's what I was told by the folks here in St. Louis earlier this week, is that there were plenty of tickets available for the game. Um, I, I know, uh, you know, I don't believe that Missouri has sold its complete allotment. I may be inaccurate on that, but I don't believe that is the case. Uh, you know, Lauren we, we and Steve, we all remember when this thing was, the, I remember when it was the toughest ticket in St. Louis. It was tougher than a Blues playoff game. It was tougher mm-hmm. than a Cardinals playoff game. It was right. tougher than a Rams playoff game. It was the toughest ticket in St. Louis to get, and I would have people literally calling me day of game. I just need two. I just need two. And, you know, where do you find them? Well, you know, and that's when it was special, right? 22 to 23,000 split right down the middle. It was, it was, it was an amazing atmosphere. Um, you know, a couple of years ago I sat on the air and I think I said this to you guys is, has this run its course? Has this series run its course in terms of its, its interest in the fans? And, uh, um, we saw, I think, better attendance last year than, than maybe uh, the two previous years. And, and I'm quite frankly intrigued to see what, what happens today, particularly with a noon tip. I don't think that does anybody favors that it's a noon tip off. And as we know, um, the folks at the SEC Network uh, select the start time. And from what I'm told regarding that is that they actually they thought it was a Big Ten Network uh, game this year, and so they didn't select it until late. And then when they selected it, the, the only window that was left, what I'm told was the noon window. Well, guys, you've got Lehigh playing at Auburn at 6 p.m. You can't tell me that's <laughs> going to draw more eyes on the TV set than Missouri-Illinois. So uh, I don't give the SEC or the SEC Network a pass in that regard. They just fundamentally don't understand the, the, the rivalry yet. Well, uh, talk a little bit about whether uh, the SEC itself is a factor in this. I mean, you're not – you don't have that home and home with Kansas. You don't have the home and home with yeah. Kansas State. I mean, it just seems like uh, you know, like Rutgers and Maryland seem like they're out of the in the wrong conference. It always seems to me like Missouri's in the wrong conference. 
Well, yeah, you know, Lauren, I, you're right. You did lose some natural rivalries. You lost your, your, your rival in Kansas. You lost Kansas State that would always sell out. It's, it's, you, you lost traveling fans when you, when you left because it was geographically possible for visiting conference schools to, you know, sell out their, their allotment of whatever tickets were available inside anybody's building and then also get more. And, you know, with the exception of when Kentucky comes to town or even Florida to a degree, um, you just don't see visiting fans travel in the SEC um, to Missouri. And so, yeah, I think that definitely had an impact. What about the team? How, how have they played so far? Have they played up to your expectations? Um, I don't know that I had expectations. I thought they would be better than, than the team that he put on the court a year ago. Um, I, uh, I think they're a work in progress. Um, I was impressed with after a disappointing game against Charleston Southern. They went on the road to Philadelphia and won uh, two weeks ago on a Saturday night at Temple. Uh, they followed that up with a, kind of a stifling performance against Southern Illinois last Sunday afternoon. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I just – this team goes, as Jeremiah Tillman goes, in regards to his ability to stay on the court. Uh, it goes as, as you know, in terms of their ability to shoot the three, which they have struggled mightily as a group um, to this stage in the season. Mark Smith's coming off the game in which he hit seven and nine threes at home against Southern Illinois, but didn't have much help from, from anyone else. Torrance Watson continues to struggle shooting the three. Mitchell Smith continues to struggle shooting the three. Xavier Penson struggles. And even Drew Smith, who transferred from Evansville, shot the ball from three at about 48% his last year at Evansville, and he's right around 33. So, um, you know, I just candidly with this game today, if it's played in the 70s, I don't think Missouri can win it. If they can keep it in the 60s, then I think they have a chance. And they've been successful in their wins, most of their games, in doing that to opponents. Uh, What makes them as tough as they are defensively? Well, I think they've been committed, obviously, uh, to, to doing a good job on the perimeter. They, they still, in, in the games that they've lost, a couple of things have, have come into play. First of all, they've fallen behind, um, you know, in three of the four losses by more than 15 points. And in the one loss against Charleston Southern in the first half, they were down by nine. Um, they, they had trouble in those four losses with dribble penetration, something that they have to be much better at today. Um, they've been better, I think, at defending the three at times. Um, but, you know, to me, you know, I look at, at Illinois' ability. Um, the Coburn-Tillman matchup is going to be intriguing, but Bishanis Vili and Mitchell Smith and whoever else is at the four, I think, is another matchup that's going to be interesting. And can, can Missouri figure out how to, you know, keep, keep Trent Frazier from scoring 50, right? I mean, <laughs> he's, had, he's had games against, uh, against the, the Tigers in each of the last two Bragging Rights games. Talking to Mike Kelly, have you yourself seen enough of Kofi Coburn to uh, to kind of formulate in your mind what kind of a battle it might be inside with Tillman? Uh, I haven't, but based on numbers, based on just a little bit of what I've watched, um, you know, if, if he's catching the ball, um, you know, in the block or in the paint, uh, it, it's going to be difficult for for Jeremiah to, to handle, I think, just his size and strength. Now, uh, Jeremiah, you know, at 6'11 and 265, if that's the one thing he is, he's strong. I, I, my, my concern is, is just can he stay on the court and stay out of foul trouble? Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about the overall situation at Missouri right now with the new football coach. And, 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 and you know, and I know the cost of, uh, 
you know, of, of, of buying out of the form, uh, by buying out Odom and the staff and everything. And I understand that the Missouri's running in the red a little bit because of that. What 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 is the status of things right there in, in terms of the just internally and with the football program? Well, I, I think you know, and, and and I love I love Barry Odom. I mean, Lauren, he's one of those guys that I met as a as a wide-eyed freshman from Ada, Oklahoma. When he when he showed up as a running back for Larry Smith, and eventually was converted to a to a linebacker and became a two-year captain and a three-year starter. Um, so, you know, I, I think the world of, of, of he and his family, but I, but I do think that, that Jim Sterk made the right call, and I do agree with the way that they framed it when they, when they announced his dismissal is that Missouri had lost momentum. I think it's really difficult, despite being 25 and 25 in four years, in three of the four years you had five-game losing streaks. And, and that makes it really difficult, not only in the administration, but certainly on the fans, which has an impact on the administration. Um, and I think from Stirk's point of view, I think he had to say to himself, am I 100% convinced that Barry Odom can turn it around? And I think in his mind, he reached the conclusion that he wasn't 100% convinced that, that he could turn it around. And, and in this league, and certainly in this day and age, um, you know, when you're struggling from an attendance standpoint in basketball, you've got to figure out a way to get people in the building from a from from a football standpoint because we all know the revenues that that can drive. Um, so I think they made the right call. I, I'm excited to to get to learn more about Elijah Drinkwitz. Uh, I love his energy. I love his passion. Uh, his staff that he's put together. You know, that's the, the thing when you make a change. What kind of staff can you put together? And he's got guys that have that have, you know, been at this level before. They're not guys that are just coming from Appalachian State. I uh, just hired a guy from TCU that was on the staff with him at Auburn when they won the national championship. And so, you know, uh, guys with pr- pretty good pedigrees. He kept pretty much most of, well, he kept three of Missouri's defensive coaches. And Missouri was in the top 20 from a defensive standpoint in a lot of categories this year, so I get that. Um, so, uh, you know, the, 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 the hope is, is that, you know, by – bringing in an offensive mind by, by making a change. Uh, and Missouri, they were 6-6 six and six a year ago, right? And, and uh, this past season, I don't think they're too far away from being a team that, that, can, that can finish above 500. Um, and, and we'll see if that's the case. But you had to get some momentum back with the sport of football, and you just didn't have that with Barry Odom's leadership. What about the signings uh, this past uh, week, uh, football, you know, recruit signings? You know, he had eight days, right, after being announced. He had eight days to try to keep together a class. They signed 10. Um, candidly, I don't know I, I don't know anything about the class other than they did. Uh, they were able to keep a couple of four-star kids that they were excited about. Um, you know, I, I think I've told you this before. I, I pay as little attention to recruiting in any <laughs> sport as, as, as anybody that's probably in my position because I'll wait till the kid gets here and let, let me let me see them when they're actually – have a chance to contribute before I, you know, pay attention or worry about them. But they're uh, never the I, same, they, you know. <laughs> they're, yeah, it's yeah. what you expect. They never are. Some are better, and yeah, some. Exactly. Well, Illinois just lost a, a tackle that transferred, I and mean, when he came in, I'm sure he got all kinds of. His name is Myers, and he just, uh, you know, he's decided to get uh, go into the portal. So, going to have some of that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So. Um, you know, and, and Lauren, I mean, I, let's let's just go back to, you know, revisionist history. I, I think there was a point in time when Mike White, by the way, wonderful story earlier this week on, and I can't believe he's 83 years old, Mike White. But uh, I remember when Coach White was there, and I think he signed a class that was ranked nearly, uh, in, in, in regards to Tom Lemming and others, the tops in the country. 
Uh, and I think by the time the four years were completed, there weren't very many of those original signees left. So that's the way it works. Um, yeah, exactly. So that's Mike Kelly, the voice of the Missouri Tigers, who succeeded right off the bat in making Lauren and I feel even older when he <laughs> when he mentioned thirty years. It Come was on, thirty years ago when he left DWS. I, rem- I remember when he was a rookie. <laughs> oh man, I, and I remember you, uh, you, you and Jim coaching me up. I remember the first Saturday morning that I had a chance to sit behind the class there and, and dial numbers and, and get people on the air. Uh, it was uh, prior to the spring game at Illinois. So this would have been, I think, 1984. And I, I look, and Mike White comes walking into the studio with Dick Vermeil. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's Are you right. Kidding me? Yeah, yeah. Th- those guys didn't show up regularly, regularly to Dupo, so that was kind of impressive to me. So you thought you hit the big time right out of the gate, huh? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, and then Mike, I met Steve Kelly, and then it just it just it, it hasn't stopped. Yeah, we had a little Kelly Kelly going there for a while, but uh, hey, appreciate it. Always good to talk to you. Um, happy holidays to you and your family, and have a good broadcast today. All right, gentlemen. Thank you. Happy holidays. You bet. Thanks, Mike. Mike Kelly with us from Courtside at the Enterprise Center in St. Louis, where the Illini take on the Missouri Tigers today at I noon. I always like talking to him because he tells it like it is. He does. And I agree with him 100% on the recruiting side of things. I'm glad in a way that I don't really have to follow it as closely as some people There's do. There's one thing that came out this week that just blew my mind, though, and, and it, it shouldn't because I knew it was happening. 19 offers to Illinois in-state athletes, and none have signed with Illinois. One, Jaden Thompson from Naperville, who transferred from Marist to Naperville last year, is supposed to sign in February. That would be the only in-state player, and I just think that's a stunning uh, fact, and and it's been going that way for a number of years. It is 9.48. We'll take a break. Phone line will be open after this uh, timeout. Feel free to join us, 356-9397. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, back after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock, all the way up to our network pregame coverage. We've got Illini game day at 10.30. Lauren Tate and yours truly, Steve Kelly. Phone line right now is open. 356-9397 is the number. Let's uh, go to the phones. And Lawrence, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Well, good morning, all. And I'd like to start off by wishing a Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah to you two guys and all your listeners this morning. Well, thank you. Same to you. Uh, thank you. I've got uh, three or four ideas here that I'd hope to get your uh, feedback on. Um, is there going to be any changes in, in how WDWS operates with the uh, new ownership of the News Gazette, or will you all just stay the same? Well, it depends. Uh, you might need to be a little more particular on that, but uh, basically it'll stay the same programming-wise, personnel-wise. Uh, we still obviously have the uh, Fighting Illini Sports Network coverage for you. But as far as any major programming changes, I have not heard of any. Okay. Um, is that deal done now? Is the new ownership uh, in place, or are they still working that out? That is done. And, yes, they are still working things out. But the deal is done, and whatever how the changes might affect 
um, both sides of the building, newspaper and radio, those things are still a work in progress, obviously, and they will be for a while. Yeah, they, they have a number of newspapers. This is their only radio station, and I think they're going to let things go. For, I don't mean not let it go, but they're going to allow things to uh, continue the way they have and as they analyze it, and maybe they'll make some changes later, maybe they won't. I think that was excellently said, Mr. Tate. I, I, <laughs> well. I like the way you caught yourself there, and uh, it, it's a c- kind of sad that uh, we're in a... It's been going on for many years, you know. We, we, it's not just related to uh, the Trump uh, uh, phenomenon. It's been going on for many years. It's, this is political correctness and media people lying in wait to jump on things. Uh, it's, it's, it's just uh, too much. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that somehow the upcoming vote silences the media operations and, and we can get back to the days of Huntley and Brinkley and Neveride <laughs> and Cronkite and all those. <clears throat> I, I want to ask you uh, if there's any new information you want to add to what you told me weeks and weeks ago about the volleyball program and the importance of the setter. Uh, now, correct me if I misquote you in any way, shape, or form, but I'm thinking uh, I'm recalling that what you said was that the setter was the most important player on any volleyball team. Is Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Well, yeah, I think so. Like a quarterback in football, yes. Okay, thank you. <coughs> and they had the best setter in the country a year ago in Poulter. Uh-huh. Well, can you enlighten me and the audience more on how they go about uh, recruiting for that position? I'm, I'm guessing this year's uh, results so far – uh, tell us that uh, we're nowhere near replacing Ms. Putia, huh? Well, I, I don't think that anybody has anybody has a setter as good as she was last year. She's a national-level com- com- player, but I think they have good setters. I think they have two possibilities. I think Brown was a setter this season and, and uh, held up most of the season, and, and I don't know – uh, I, I think the competition is just so good in the Big Ten that if you're not really, really elite, uh, you know, it's hard to keep up with Minnesota and Wisconsin, Penn State, and, and Nebraska. Those are the main schools that I think that are, are the dominant ones. They had, what, Steve, seven, uh, seven schools made the NCAA this year, didn't they? Yeah. But uh, I think they have the, the potential. I just don't know. I, t- I, t- I, I always go back to, to uh, what the former coach said to me one time. He says, in order to win in this game, you need freakish athletes he used that word i you need freakish athletes because you need people that can jump way over the net and in some of those cases we ran up against girls young women who could simply leap up higher than our girls could and we, we had a great player in quade this year she was our best player but i don't know that we have what you would call freakish athletes and well i of course understand that what uh y'all are talking about in term freakers you you mean uh, incredibly unusually skilled and good yeah and tall and, 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 and can play up higher over the net than we can yes that- yes yes well now here's a related question that's been plaguing my mind off and on for many many months and that is uh as i understand again correct me if i got something wrong but as i understand it parkland uh is has continued to do extremely well uh now is, are they able to, in essence, form a, uh, a almost a recruiting base from which uh, U of I can uh, promote girls from junior college level up to the full four-year school? We haven't seen that. Can you explain why? 
Well, evidently they don't think those players are good enough to to play for Illinois, or otherwise they'd recruit them. Hey, Lauren, so right. got some other callers. I appreciate uh, you taking time to give us a call. Have a happy holiday yourself. Okay, bye. Let's go back to the phones, and Alan is with us. Hey, Alan, good morning. Morning, guys. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's kind of a sad situation in, in football recruiting that we can't get anybody from Illinois, not anybody in the Chicago region, uh, even St. Louis region. Oh, we uh, we're hitting we St. Louis pretty good, Lewis. but you're right. It's it's all across the river. It's uh, I didn't think I'd ever see this day. It would happen like this. But oh, it, it it's been happening. Like this is not new. The only well, difference this year is that it's none. Other years it's right. been one or two. What's the difference? I mean, you're only you're not even tapping. I mean, here here Iowa brings it brings in five from the state and Northwestern four. I mean Notre Dame has has been strong over recent years. Usually there'll be a few star players and they go to Michigan or Notre Dame or uh, that's what we're seeing. It's not like there are fifty Illinois guys going elsewhere. There were there were sixteen I think went to the Big Ten uh-huh. from the state of Illinois. Yeah. So yes, you should be able to to get some of those yourself, but, but it's not a huge number. This is not new. Right. This is not. This is what's been happening. Year yeah. after year, and you'll go back and say, "Well, they took three or four. Well, they took they took three or four, but they none of them ranked in the top twenty in the state. You know that that type of thing. We're not well, getting the top athletes out of Chicago. Go ahead. Apparently, we can't get anybody any low rated ones either, which maybe just as well that we don't. Well, I don't, uh, yeah. Now I don't. The, bas- the basketball side. Some of the best games I ever saw was in the old place. Of course, the. Uh, Bardo, Gill, <clears throat> Hamilton, those guys, that 18-point game when they come behind. I was there for that one. Yeah. I was also there for the year that we weren't supposed to win when we had Andy Coburn and uh, – Deion Thomas. Deion Thomas. Yeah. And those guys, and we ended up beating them because they were, had far superior people than we did. But we Yeah, that was probably 1990. We won 84-81 with Coffin at 33 and Thomas 23. Right. That's right. And – I think they were at least a 10-point favorite against us. But the best games I'll ever see in my lifetime is those games down there. Yep. That simple. They've had a couple of good overtime wins. They had won an overtime in 95 when Garris scored 23. They had an overtime uh, game in 2000 when Brian Cook had 25. Illinois won both those overtimes. And now they didn't win every overtime, as we know. But nope. I'm just highlighting the games that Illinois won. And one of the biggest wins was 2014 when Rayvonny Rice hit that Three-pointer for the right. 62-59 win right then. That was a really tough shot. And that followed the year that Tracy Abrams made two free throws to win the game 65-64. So they've, they've had a lot of good wins there. I, uh, Trent Meacham, who we see uh, around here lately, is back in town. Uh, in 2008, scored 23 points. And McCamey had 20, and they won 75-59. That was in 2008. A lot of good memories. Hopefully, we can turn it around today. The big difference is we've got uh, Kofi this year. We didn't have him last year. Changes everything. That, st- might, that might be the difference. Yeah. Good stuff, Alan. Thank you. Thank you. We're up hitting uh, 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign Urbana, Illinois Palace Saturday Sports Talk. I had the unique opportunity of a couple of those games that he mentioned there of doing the, the TV broadcast. I did the one where Illinois was down 18. Oh, and man. Kenny Battle brought him back. And the, Those the, were the days. You know the next what the next game on the schedule was? It was the game at LSU. Oh, and I got when to we do had 127, huh? Yeah. When yeah. Dale Brown told Lou Henson, thanks for not running up the score. <laughs> You're right. 127 to 100. So 
couple of good memories from my broadcasting life uh, on on that and a lot of other good memories covering that series over the years. We'll take a time out. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk as we hit 10 o'clock. We'll keep the phone lines open. If you'd like to join us, feel free to do so. WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Back with more after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Fellows Saturday Sports Talk with you until the 11 o'clock hour here with our game day coverage as well. Illinois and Missouri in the bragging rights battle down in St. Louis. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you. Phone line is open. 356-9397 is the number. A couple of notes here on the basketball game. Uh, of course, you can hear it right here on the Fighting Illini Sports Network, beginning with our uh, pregame coverage, Illini game day at uh, 1030. Moving right into the network, pregame coverage at 11, the game uh, and uh, postgame coverage from St. Louis today as well. It is on television, but it is not on a widely uh, distributed television network. It's on the SEC network. If you're in uh, Champaign-Urbana and you have Comcast, you may have it on station number 601. If you have that tier. If you have that tier of sports uh, channels. Not everybody does. But that's the only place that's on TV today, so we'd be happy to have you. Uh, I know a lot of you watch uh, the television broadcast and listen to the radio uh, broadcast. We appreciate that. Today it might be just a radio day for you. and uh, It's too bad because ESPN and or the Big Ten Network over the years has had this game. Yeah, and I know there's several bars around town that will have the game and are True. inviting people naturally to come out. But, uh, uh, it, it, uh, it's too bad that more people don't have uh, the SEC Network. I... I Yes, I have it because I have that particular tier. Right. So that uh, partially answers that. You may not uh, care for the answer much, but that's the way it is today in that uh, particular ball game. Let's uh, go uh, to the phones now. We're going to talk to uh, Scott Doctorman from uh, The Athletic in uh, Iowa City about a couple of things. Good morning, Scott. First of all, how you doing? By yourselves today. We're doing well. We wanted to talk to you a little bit about... Uh, the passing this week of Hayden Fry, a guy that uh, Lauren and I got to know over the years when he was uh, head coach at Iowa, one of the, the, the characters, if you will, of uh, Big Ten coaching. And uh, your thoughts on, on his career, and he passed away at the age of 90 this week. was the king in Iowa City. And uh, over the years, uh, you know, you, you could say legitimately in Iowa that Dan Gable was the greatest coach that the Hawkeyes have ever had, but Hayden Fry was the most important because when he entered uh, the Iowa scene in, in late 1978 for the 1979 season, uh, you know, Iowa football was at a place where you wouldn't wish anybody. I mean, at that point, it's been 17 straight non-winning seasons and uh, was it still had a pretty strong fan base, but uh, what Hayden did in three years was he changed the direction of the Big Ten Conference. Uh, you know, there was a 13-year stranglehold Ohio State and Michigan had on the league, and and then uh, he took the Hawkeyes to the Rose Bowl, which opened it up for other teams, Illinois two years later, Michigan State later that decade, uh, and it really became more than just the Big Two and the Little Eight. And, and he did it with such charisma and character, and his uh, coaching tree was legendary to the point where, uh, you know, Hayden – it's kind of like a, an ADBC, uh, you know, realm here in Iowa, where you know before Hayden and after Hayden, because uh, everything he's he did with that program for 20 years 
still matters today, whereas before that, it just seems like ancient history. Well, tell us some people on that staff. I mean, it's just unbelievable, the people that were working for him. And, and that one picture I see all the time of, of that staff, they're all all-stars. Run them down a little bit for us, Scott. You know, when you look at who he brought up from North Texas, Bill Snyder was his offensive coordinator. And, of course, he had 215 wins at Kansas State and arguably maybe the greatest architect of any turnaround. And then you had uh, his linebackers coach. He gave him his first college job was Barry Alvarez. (laughs) And uh, one of his grad assistants and his team captain in 82 and grad assistant in 83 was Bob Stoops. And his offensive line coach he hired at age 25 that was a grad assistant was Kirk Ferentz. And then uh, a former uh, grad assistant at Iowa that was an Iowa City native, he, he hired and ended up being his defensive line coach for 12 years, was uh, Dan McCarney. So all five of those coaches are the leading winners, I guess you could say, at their respective colleges. Uh, they have the most wins of any team, of any coach in their history. And then his tight ends coach, uh, and then later offensive coordinator when Snyder left, was Donnie Patterson who went to Western Illinois, and he's within one win of the of the Leathernecks all-time record. And, and, and then even beyond that, his defensive coordinator who stayed there the whole time until he retired in 95 was Bill Frazier, and everybody kind of recognizes that, you know, Iowa's defense was the reason why they had such success, and he just chose to stay and be, you know, Fry's steady lieutenant, and he might have been the best coach of them all. So well, it was – and then, you know, yeah, it was just crazy to, to see the, the coaching tree. That how many had. years Fry and Ferentz have run this Iowa operation. How many years is it now? Forty. We lost him. Here you are. Forty-one. Oh, forty-one. Okay. And is Ferentz? Yeah. Is do you see Ferentz is basically coaching the same way Fry did? Is there some difference? What would be the difference between those two? Difference is just personality. Uh, Hayden was larger than life. He was. He walked in and at a, like a, a banquet or anything. He knew you. He, he remembered your mom's name, your your kid, and and if he didn't, he faked his way through it. It was just a phenomenon. And, and there's nobody ever been like Hayden Fry. But then when uh, with Kirk Ferentz, he's just his. He's very understated, uh, workmanlike, and then style. You know, yeah, there's been changes, but really their hallmarks have remained the same: play excellent defense, be really good along the line of scrimmage take care of the football and Hayden had what he called his exotics which were you know sometimes Statue of Liberty or, or something like that uh, you know Kirk doesn't do quite as many of those but but really it they offer the same template which is outstanding defense good line of scrimmage play try to run the football and then have smart uh, successful quarterbacks I remember an interview I did with uh, Hayden Fry a pregame interview uh, when he was in Illinois uh, in Champaign to take on the Fighting Illini and talking about the keys of the game and some of the Illinois players. And he said, we need to contain that number 10, that little rascal, Jason Verdusco. <laughs> Verdusco had some pretty good games against Iowa, and that interview stands out. But 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 Hayden really was kind of a, the guy at Iowa, Scott, that kind of broke up the, the big two thing back uh, in the early 80s when Michigan State and uh, Ohio State, or rather Michigan and Ohio State were dominating things, and he won three Big Ten titles. 1980, it was either Ohio State or Michigan that went to Pasadena every year. So it truly was, you know, and that was during the the Woody Bow era. But Hayden broke through in 1981, and he was able to beat Michigan on the road that year. And 
they they tied uh, Ohio State for the title and got to go to Pasadena and and it, it just it, it just changed the dynamic of the conference and you know then you had Mike White at, at Ohio or at, at Illinois and you had later on in the decade uh, Lorenzo White with Michigan State they went to the Rose Bowl and it just changed everything about it it opened up the league it was too ground oriented at that point and even though Iowa was a running team Hayden uh, you know wanted to go through the air more and then. Uh, you know, and, and really the recruiting that Iowa did in that era was just outstanding. And part of it is they took advantage of, you know, Wisconsin wasn't much of anything. Uh, Iowa had great roots in Texas and, and New Jersey and, and exploited them. But, uh, you know, so I think in the, the grand scheme of college football and the Big Ten, uh, Hayden Fry deserves a lot of credit for just changing everything about it because it was just a two-team race almost every year, oh, more than a decade. But Hayden made it uh, made it fun, entertaining, and then also uh, won you know quite a bit. I mean, you know, he had eight top twenty-five finishes, and he had two others that were in the top ten. So very successful coach, and uh, just uh, absolutely beloved here. He is I, I, I use the phrase he's the king of Iowa City, and uh, there's no dismissing that. Well, Scott, I want to put your basketball hat on. Bohannon has had surgery. He's not going to play this year. What's the impact on Iowa? Was this something you saw coming? Well, I didn't see the surgery part coming, but I saw the shutting it down part. It was, uh, it was, he was at a point where he wanted to try to play through to 10 games and then take it, and then decide what to do after that. I figured he was going to take it through the rest of the month, and then see if he wanted to try to go through the Big Ten or, or red shirt. And didn't realize his other his it's his other hip now is kind of a compensation situation, and and uh, so that's really impactful for Iowa. They were, you know, they they've actually had a pretty good start to the season, better than I expected, and and that's because they've done a nice job of taking care of the ball and. And mentally, they're mentally tougher than they've been in the past. They really are, uh, you know, under some other years, I wouldn't say that they wilted, but, you know, that you had to question that a little bit. In this case, they they're, they take care of the ball. They shoot the ball well from the perimeter. Uh, defense is always an issue, it seems, under Fran McCaffrey. And I think that's where the biggest impact is going to be felt is, do they have? Do their inexperienced guards can they take care of the basketball the way that they did before he got you know decided to opt out? And can they defend the uh, the uh, the opponent's point guard? If they can do that, then I think they're going to be a tough out. If they can't, I think this is going to be a tough season for the Hawkeyes. I saw where the first uh, through the first ten games, somebody picked uh, Garza as an All American through this first ten games. What's your take on him? Garza sure ate Teske alive of Michigan when they played. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, you know, he's really taken that step forward to where he's he's been Iowa's uh, at least under McCaffrey. He's been his, their best big man in, in both ends of the floor. I mean, offensively, he's better than uh, than anybody that they've had there, and then defensively, he's been really good. And uh, you know, averaging you know what twenty three points a game and and almost ten rebounds a game, and and just really can work. He can shoot. You know, from you know any type of spot on the floor, he can shoot the three. He could, he could have the you know post up. He could do whatever it takes, and and so he's been a real catalyst. Now everybody knows that they're going to try to double team him. They're going to try to deny him the ball as much as possible. So it's going to be up to some of the other players like Joe Wieskamp and and some of the newbies like uh, you know C.J. Frederick to, to take those shots. And if you know, and I, I think Iowa offensively will be okay without Bohannon. They're not going to be 
great, but but they've got a you know an issue kind of with injuries right now. Patrick McCaffrey, Fran's second oldest son, is out for the year. He's still kind of he's actually had some complications. He had thyroid cancer when he was in middle school, and now he's he, you know they're kind of catching up with him. And then you look at uh, Jack Dungey as starting forward has had an ACL tear a few weeks ago, so he's out for the season, and now Bohannon. So I think this this might be a little bit much on that depth part of things, but but as far as Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp goes, uh, I think everybody knows that they're they're capable of taking over games. Hey, Scott, appreciate your time as always. Uh, have a good weekend, a good holiday season, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, thanks so much, everyone. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Scott Docterman from The Athletic in Iowa City with us here on Saturday Sports Talk. Need to take a quick break. Got a caller or two on the uh, line. Stay with us. Back with more on Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. On Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until the start of game day coverage at 1030 and then back with you during that coverage before we send it to the Fighting Illini Sports Network at 11, Illinois and Missouri, at the Enterprise Center in downtown St. Louis. Phone line is open. Marty in Pinehurst has been hanging on. Good morning, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren, and happy holidays to you. Same to you. What's on your mind? Little observation, as I hear people uh, whine because the recruiting rankings are too low in football, et cetera. One of the reasons, of course, being we don't have a lot of scholarships to give because next year's big senior class and numbers has a lot to do with where you get ranked. But a little observation. The, uh, in the previous years, there were a whole lot of times where Illinois was recruiting kids where the only Big Ten offer was Illinois and we were recruiting kids that were competing with the MAC for. I noticed as I looked down this year's group, a, we did get some big boys, Lauren, for the front and defense, so that's nice. More importantly, every single kid on there had multiple major Power Five offers. We weren't competing with MAC schools anymore, and that speaks a little bit to the quality of the recruiting, at least across the board. A lot better than it had been the last the previous five or six years. So that's my thought. What do you think about that? Well, I, I agree that when you see they're recruited by other major powers, that makes a big difference. But these are all three-star players. And the problem with three-stars is it's such a vast group that you don't know whether you have a guy that's almost a four-star or almost a two-star. I mean, the three-star, everybody's everybody on this uh, everybody on this list is a three-star with the possible exception of Frenchie and, and Love, both of whom missed most of the season and didn't play exactly. this year. They were, they were four-star uh, based on athleticism, but the, the big athletes are all three stars. And the reason I bring it up, and I'm not saying that that, that two four seven is right or that Rivals is right, but uh, the first ten players I looked at uh, on on the Michigan list, nine of them are four stars. In other words, other teams are getting better players. Not only getting more players, they're getting better players. And I I don't know how you can say that's good. I mean. I, I, I mean, I, I, think well, I don't think I, that's good, but I, I think it's better than it was. I, I don't know how you're going to get a bunch of four and five stars until you start winning eight or nine games a year, Lauren. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a tough haul at Illinois because when you're down, climbing back up in football, as you know, is really tough. 
But as you know, and as you both said this morning along with Mike Kelly, I don't really care too much about the stars until I see them on the field. So you woke up thinking about football. Got any basketball thoughts real quick? Well, I've got on my kind of blue flannel lounge (laughs) shorts, an Illinois uh, sweatshirt, and an orange mock turtleneck, so I'm ready for the game. Uh, I like our chances because I think Tillman will get in foul trouble. Hope I'm hope I'm right about that. I hope it doesn't work the other way. Uh, I like this team. I like the direction they're going. Let's see if they keep making improvements. Someday, some of these boys are going to have to make some outside shots outside of Griffin and Frazier. That's right. If you really want to be good. Yep. At some yep. point, somebody's going to have to start shooting. Hey, Marty, good to hear from you. Happy holidays. All right. Happy holidays to both of you. You bet. Thanks Bye-bye. for the call. We appreciate it. Let's try to squeeze in another call here. Let's go to Steve in Princeton. Hey, Steve. Hey, Merry Christmas to you guys. Thank I you. just had a question on the 19 football recruits. Did they have any decommits? Because I was thinking I read somewhere earlier that there was a Thompson, a wide receiver like Kirkville yeah. Central. He, 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 hasn't, he hasn't signed yet. He uh, he's, says he's going to sign in February. He's still an, an Illinois commit. He would be the one Illinois, and he's a, he's a good one. He's a, a top receiver, as you said, transferred from Marist to Naperville Central. They went four and five, didn't get in the playoffs, and uh, he's a very good player, and for some reason he wants to wait till February, and that's his prerogative. But there weren't any other decommits or anything like that that flipped or – Do you remember any decommits? Il- Illinois right? got two decommits from other schools, Miami. Yeah, they flipped two, yeah. Yeah, they flipped uh, Missouri and Miami players, but I don't think, but I'm, I'm not positive, I don't think anybody – uh, uh, decommitted from Illinois. I may be wrong on that. I is it, was there a player you remember, Steve? Not that all? I remember, but I, again, I, admittedly, I don't follow it as closely as many. Well, I I don't remember one. Anything else, Steve? No, that's all for now. So enjoy the Mizzou game. Yep, thank you. Appreciate the call. Ten twenty-three is the time here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, and all the folks at the Pella Window Store. Would uh, like to thank uh, homeowners, contractors, architects, installers, and others who purchase windows and doors for their homes and projects throughout the course of this year. They appreciate the loyalty and trust that people have put uh, in the folks at Illini Pella for their window and door needs for the past 50 years. Mike Mary is the main man out there. One of the products he's very proud of is a product called Lifestyle. It's packed with innovation, including the option for the best between the blinds between-the-glass blinds and shades with triple glazing. Pella Lifestyle has flexibility with a wide variety of inside and outside colors. Check them out online or stop by and see them, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Their hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment. Back to the decommits. There was a decommit, uh, uh, you know, the quarterback, Dixon, didn't make grades. Yes, and, and he decommit, but that wasn't really a decommit. That was yeah. Illinois turned him down. And they had a backup in uh, Deuce Spahn, yep. who um, did sign on the dotted line, and mm-hmm. he seems to be a guy that uh, Illinois is very high on. Yep, yep. Of course, <laughs> we're going to go back and look at all the quarterbacks I that we're bringing and, and, and how they did, and boy, oh, boy, it's a sad listing. Well, you could go every position and do that. but uh, Yeah, that's true, but but it's really, other than, you know, we go back to Juice and and, uh, and Shieldhouse, those two guys, Juice Williams, and and those guys played four years apiece, but there were a lot of quarterbacks that came in along the way that drifted away. And then since then, we've had them come and go, and from Crouch to you know to, 
uh, uh, what was the, what was the quarterback's name that left this, this last year that started a couple games for us last year and left. Right? I mean, it's just ridiculous the, the percentage that you 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 lose over time, and many of them transfer to other schools. Speaking of quarterbacks, a lot of people want to know about Brandon Peters, and it looks oh, like he's going to be uh, yeah. be able to play. The levy hasn't said that uh, straight out, but. Uh, Brandon Peters is practicing. Uh, the Illini going through their uh, pre-bowl practices. They'll leave on the 26th for San Francisco. There's a press conference on the 27th, and Brandon Peters is one of the players who will be available for that if nothing changes. Yeah, and that. it really sounds like Green's going to be the center, which means Kramer may uh, not be able to play. I don't know if that's going to be final. I mean, we haven't heard, but it sounds like Green has moved over from guard to center. We don't know about Jake Hansen. We don't know about Bebe. For yeah, sure. Yeah. So there's still some questions to be answered about uh, the bowl game coming up. But uh, time to start thinking about that. Uh, Loy on the practice field. And as I mentioned, we'll leave the day after uh, uh, Christmas for that. And uh, they're a slight underdog, about a touchdown underdog in that bowl game. Yeah. And the, the quarterback, Chase Garbers, for, uh, for Cal, has started eight games this year and they won seven. <laughs> the only game that, that he played that they lost was the game of USC. That was in, the, they had a four-game losing streak going mm-hmm. on. And matter of fact, he might have been out all four of the he was. four-game losing streak. Well, he got streak. hurt in the Arizona, it was either Arizona or Arizona State. He got yeah. hurt in, in that fifth game. They won their first four. Yeah. Then he got hurt in the fifth game and they, they lost, lost all four and then they won through Three the last four. four. Yeah. yeah. And that uh, USC game was the game that uh, they didn't win there. But they, they had impressive wins on the road at uh, UCLA and at Stanford to close out the season. Yeah, that's good wins. And and he was 109 for 184, which is a good percentage. And he had 1,500 yards in, in passes. And he threw for 10 touchdowns. He only threw three interceptions in the eight games that he played. That's, he's a pretty good quarterback. Name is Chase Garbers, and that'll be a – That'll be the battle between Garbers and, and Peters. Yep, the first of the two, first two of the 40 bowl games to be played were played last night, and there's some more today, a half a dozen more bowl games today. That's going to take care of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Illini Game Day comes your way next. Laura and I will be right back with you after this. Stay with us.